And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just something I've noticed. We don't give enough credit to signs, and we really should. That sign over there tells you great French fries. That sign over there tells you this is your exit. And look at that legendary sign. It's the Motel 6 sign. It tells you a great night's rest at a great price. Book online at motel6.com. And use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. Look for the signs. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a great price when you use the code CPREDEYE. That's the letter CP. Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel6.com. That's a great deal. And that's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. This is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the planet, 866-90-RED-EYE. He is Eric Carley and I'm Gary McNamara. Welcome. Good morning. Thank you for being here. Download our app today, our Red Eye Radio app, and listen when and where you want if you can't listen live overnight. Well, there I was. It was Sunday, and I, I can't remember what I was doing, but I, I don't know why I didn't watch it. Hmm. Maybe I was on a phone call. I can't remember. But when I saw the beginning of 60 Minutes, and I never get to watch 60 Minutes. I mean, I just, I don't watch it because normally I'm asleep. Right. Uh, But Sunday night we head off because we were still on vacation. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden I'm like, what? Scott Pelley interviewing who? What? Uh, Paul Ehrlich, the guy who wrote the book, The Population Bomb, the the uh, <laughs> leftist prognosticator that has been wrong on everything yeah. since he wrote the book in 1970, The Population Bomb, and uh, uh, made these predi- made just some of the predictions that he made. Right. He said in his book that Earth's carrying capacity was a mere 2 billion people. And said that was it, was 2 billion people. Right. We yeah. now have 8, we're over 8 billion people. Right. But what he said was population will inevitably and completely outstrip whatever small increases in food supplies we make. The death rate will increase until at least 100 to 200 million people per year will be starving to death in the next 10 years. That was by 1980. Okay. He insisted that between 1980 and 89, 4 billion people, including 65 million Americans, would be part of the great die-off. Mm-hmm. Okay. And they brought him on, even bringing out the fact that he was so wrong that 
Well, he's 90 years old, and maybe he has lived to see some of the things that he had talked about come true. No! Yeah, right. (laughs) He predicted in 1969 in the New York Times that all of us would disappear in a blue cloud of steam by 1989. I went to a concert in 89... And there was smoke. In 89, Mm -hmm. the Stones were on their fifth last concert tour. In 1980, Ehrlich... My wife and I went to that show, by the way. (laughs) It was our first date, actually. Famously bet economist Julian Simon that five key metals would become more scarce... By 1990, he had to pay Simon on that bet. This guy, they you know, they call him Dr. Doom. <laughs> this guy's just, he's wrong on everything. Yeah, right. He claims he's been mostly right. Did he say when the Stones would retire? <laughs> Back in the day. Uh, by the way, uh, I, uh, correction, it was our second date. Apparently, my wife is listening. Um, the, <laughs> the <laughs> Oh, my God, that's an Al Bundy moment. <laughs> she does listen. That's um, an Al Bundy moment. Yeah, right. um, <laughs> Remember, Peg, when we... And that wasn't us. That wasn't us. <laughs> that was a movie I watched. That was a movie I watched today. That was another woman, Al. Yeah. <laughs> Peg! No, we, went to the, we went to the Steel Wheels tour... And and saw it and and I remember saying, well, we we should probably go. Now we were dating at the time. I said we should probably go because it's probably going to be the last time they are physically able to get up on stage. <laughs> and, and then that Wrong. Remember, remember before the 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 last tour that was it last year? Yeah, because it was after COVID. Yeah, Re- remember and it showed Mick Jagger like warming up in a studio. Yeah, and he and he looks like he's, no. After, he's da- he's after, dancing like he's an eighteen year old. That was after his heart surgery. Yes. <laughs> I mean, seriously. Remember that he's. <laughs> I don't. I don't know what deal they made with what devil, but they're going to outlive us all. I mean, <laughs> it's over the top. Now. Ehrlich would have been uh, much more accurate if he would have said, Every will, everybody will be dead except the Stones. <laughs> exactly. Well, remember um, Charlie Sheen, the whole tiger blood thing. What you mean is jagger blood. <laughs> and <laughs> this this insanity of, of these predictions, you know, these doomsday. Look, we are doomed. I just don't have a date for you. I just don't have a calendar that you can go, all right, mark this date. This we're, is when it all ends. We're doomed from the legislation that's supposed to stop us yeah. from being doomed. Right. But the legislation will actually doom us. Right. And remember, the border is secure. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it is. Uh, why 60 Minutes would want to revisit this? whole thing it reminds me of the 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 peak oil thing remember that how long it went on for after everybody else had said okay peak oil isn't really gonna 
that's not really the problem. We're not facing that at the moment or any time in the near future. And then there were still people, I think it was as late as 2011, 2012, that were still on the peak oil thing. It was like, dear, you're, this is a rerun. This is, this is from the old playbook. <laughs> you got to update the playbook. We've been together long enough. I remember the frustration of people that would insist that there was peak oil. Yeah. Right. And we're like, no, there's not. No. That's, it's right. bogus. It's right. bogus. Remember that? Mm-hmm. Uh, we might have even got more for peak oil than uh, we did Jade Helm. What was that, 15? 15. Yeah. Was that 15? It was 15. Wow. Yes. Eight years ago, almost eight, a full eight years ago. Seriously. How was that eight years ago? We were in these studios. Uh, hey, no. No, mm, yes. No. Just barely? Was it 2015 that we came over here? 2015, because we were here for 2016. Oh, yeah, we were here for the election. So yeah. I think we came here in 2015, I think, yeah. So I think we were was here. Was it yeah. Jade Helm 15 or 16? It was 15. Okay. <laughs> remember the number of calls? You guys don't know what's happening. It's happening right under. Yeah, it's happening in Texas. Actually, yeah. we knew it was happening. Yeah. Right. Well, no, it's secret. Well, no, actually, it's not secret because the Chamber of Commerce at that county had figured out what the economic benefit was going to be right. with the special forces using the private land that they voluntarily were able to use. Right. And if I had that kind of land... And the U.S. military came to me and said, we'll take care of the cost, but we want to run exercises on your farmland. I'd allow them to do it as long as they didn't damage my crops and or they were able to, you know. It, yeah, I'd have to go over a few things with them. But, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean I, I'm mean, i a military brat. So very, yeah. very willing to help out whatever. Oh, mm-hmm. oh, this gives you. And then remember, I'll never forget. We said, well, you know something? There's a massive conglomeration of military people. The Pentaverate. Right in the in the Pentavert, right <laughs> in the state of Texas. Yeah. It's called Fort Hood or is it did they change it yet? Yeah, I don't I don't know if I think they changed it yet. That, not they? officially, yeah. That's that's it's Fort Hood. It's like, <laughs> yeah. Oh the, the Jade Helm the Jade Helm was just insane. The we we would sit here and say, Why do these people listen to us? <laughs> now that's something you should never do as a radio host question why people are listening to you right but it got to the point of absurdity saying why us yeah what, <laughs> we're, what? we're not the conspiracy theorists right that's not that's not what we do <laughs> it's like <laughs> but yeah uh and the secret tunnels under walmart yes that's right was that that was part of that was was that the north that koreans thing. I think it was, was the in North there? Koreans, and then it became the the Chinese. Chinese? Okay. Yeah. Or, or am I mixing up the two Red Dawns? <laughs> <laughs> it's all intertwined. Uh, but, no, I mean, if you want to see uh, things from China, you just have to walk into a Walmart. <laughs> you don't need to it's go. not into, hard. It's you not don't a, need to go into the tunnels underneath. Hidden. Right, not, exactly. Yeah. Uh, he, oh. Hmm. The best thing I ever did was get rid of. I know we're I know we're moving from topic to topic. We'll get mm-hmm. back to the original one here about Paul Ehrlich. But uh, the best thing I've ever done was get rid of the commercials on YouTube. Yeah, and and yeah, you know, you know yeah. one of the shows that I watch mm. all that you ever watch what is it the proper people? Mm. No, you were telling me about it. I haven't seen it. Yet. It's about these 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 two guys, and they bring a few 
but they go into you know places that have been closed amusement yeah, parks and, right, right. and and they but they go all over the world and they went to this huge massive they went to china a couple of years ago huge i mean this thing had to be i don't know how many billions of dollars it was you're talking 10 15 skyscrapers everything mm. completely abandoned mm-hmm. it looks like a and it's in the middle of a city it's a city in the middle of a city and there's highways passing it's completely desolate yeah. completely right. desolate right and then there's the one that I did see. And then all of a sudden I got on all the associated shows that do something like that. And I forgot where it is. Is it, um, is it, is it Qatar where they built this massive, it's like one of the biggest skyscrapers on the planet, mm. completely empty. They're never going to be able to do anything with it. Mm. Wow. It's massive. I mean, it's and completely and, you know. Not not built, but it you know, but it's still a hundred stories tall. Wow! And they actually had the crane, part of the crane, still up there, still up there. And I'm like, how do you demolish? Just going to stay there? How do you implode something like that? Right? Yeah, I don't know. I, and, my Lego set was not that big, and, and and they go through all these projects that never worked out, and they go through they go through amusement parks, insane asylums. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and I was watching one yesterday where they got caught. The police caught them inside. And, but they let him go. The police said, okay, you can go. Yeah. I think they, they have a setup of cameras and everything else where they go, okay, you're actually not trying to, you're not, you're not trying to uh, vandalize or steal. Right. You're just right. in your, but they go to insane asylums. They go to, you know, hospitals in Europe and mm. they do most of it. I think they do in the United States. They went through, uh, a decommissioned nuclear plant and they brought a Geiger counter in with them and they, they snuck in. They snuck in. They ever go into a Sears location? <laughs> no, they do, but no, but they do. They've done malls. Yeah, they've done malls. No, and, the malls are kind of creepy. The abandoned yeah, malls—that's creepy. Yep. What's weird in that dynamic is that there are other parts of the world where malls are just now becoming a mm-hmm. thing, and ours would, you know, started basically in the late seventies and early eighties, and now it's like not a thing. Mm-hmm. And the abandoned, but abandoned buildings to me. I'm fascinated by it. I don't, I don't just, know why. It is just creepy. I don't. Yep. And I and and yeah, that's one of the. I'm going to have to watch it because it's one of the things that is just fascinating all day. And, and there were there was a someone in the media did, uh, and it may have been a local media, uh, a story the other day on on West Texas towns and and how basically they're just dwindling down to to nothing this happens to a, a great extent but it's you know the, the small towns and if you drive through west texas and you go through these small towns and you know i mean uh now two things you're going to find uh, either a sonic or a dairy queen or both and probably a best western but aside from that you know there's these towns being abandoned and that's always fascinating to me there's one that i go through on the way to my parents house and these homes are just they're just falling down they're homes from i don't know Probably no later than the forties, and you know they're they're just abandoned. But it's amazing where I'm at the point, and if I'm at the point at my age, then young people have to been at that point earlier on. But the best money I've ever, I spend every month is not having any commercials on YouTube, and I can find the exact content that interests me. Oh yeah, I yeah, find yeah, it. Yeah, I don't have to wait for it. Right. I can find it, right. and every and every every week I think to myself, okay, there's not going to be, you know, I'm done. What else could I find? 
and I find stuff that just fascinates me where I can't, I have to see, I have to turn off the TV. Right. Because yeah. I'm like, wow, these are just amateurs out there doing something, going through old buildings, and I'm completely mesmerized by it. I'm like, this is, and the thing is, with the with the camera high definition camera qualities today and everything else, it does you see everything. Yeah, you know, so right. it comes off as just as professional. And you know, with the editing equipment that they have today, they do it great. And the other one, what is it? The guy's name, uh, Cash Jordan, mm. just a real estate guy in New York. Yeah, and right. he just goes through all different apartments. Mm-hmm. Here's what we have today, and here's an apartment here, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that blows me away. How some people he went into an, a, a place where. This woman lives in a closet. She pays $650. It's 111 inches by 91. That's her apartment. 650 bucks uh, in New York a month. Wow. And then they go into an apartment that would cost probably, oh, $2,000, $3,000 a month here mm-hmm. in Texas. Thirteen, fourteen, fifteen thousand 15000 a month Insane. in New York City. Insane. But I'm, but I'm, I'm just, I'm addicted to watching. I'm like, well, what have they got here? What do they got here? What do they got there? Now you've got stand-up comedians. You know, they do their own podcast and they do even, they're releasing specials straight out to YouTube. Yeah. yeah. You know, they would probably prefer the bigger deal. But well, what is it? The, uh, the, the, the bar, what do they call it? The bar something? Oh, comedy. dry bar comedy. Dry bar comedy. Yeah. I, yeah. I watch that oh, consistently. Yeah. yeah. Brad Upton, I'm the biggest fan of Brad oh. Upton, and I know. Bar- yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, what's his name? Bargazzi. I can't think of his name now. Uh, Nate Bargazzi. Bargazzi. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mm-hmm. like him too. Yeah, if you're but listening I, on WTN, he's there, based there in uh, yeah. Nashville. But I, but I, I like the bearded one, not the. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but the, the it, early the early Nate Bargazzi. Well, Brad Upton <laughs> is what I wanted to do 20 years ago. Yeah. I wanted to retire yeah. and go back into stand up comedy mm-hmm. and be the old guy. Yeah. And I realized well, that's never going to happen for me. Yeah. But he did it. And I'm like, wow, he's doing what I'm doing. And he's doing the kind of material that I would do as an old guy. Owning their own content, too. I mean, doing it the way they want to do it, that is important to me. And you see a lot of that there. We'll get back to the Paul Ehrlich thing and Dr. Doom here in a moment. <laughs> 866-90-RED-EYE. Starting and charging system-related issues are one of the most common causes of winter breakdowns. So when your batteries talk, it's important you listen. Knowing the warning signs that could indicate your electrical system needs attention can help you avoid getting stuck out in the cold this winter. Your truck's inability to crank at the proper speed is the most obvious sign that a battery-related issue is present. If you experience any sluggishness when cranking your engine, get a full electrical system check from a trusted service provider. Continuing to crank a vehicle with low or inadequate voltage will damage the starter and can cost you uptime down the road. This report brought to you by Luberfiner, engineering filters that are built to do more for heavy-duty fleets since 1996. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. Check out all the latest in news, events, trucking information, and... It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Curley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYES. Yeah, so getting back originally, I know we got <laughs> off topic, but it was fun. Yeah, it was. It's fun to get off topic once in a while. Why not? Why? Just because we do a professional radio show, we always have to be completely and totally organized? No. 
<laughs> if there's chaos in Congress, there could be chaos on Red Eye. That's right. <laughs> I don't consider it chaos. We, by we the have way. the conch. I I, we have the conch right now. Right. <laughs> uh, but we'll we'll get to the whole Paul Ehrlich thing and and, uh, and what he said on sixty minutes. I just can't believe sixty minutes brought him out. I mean, to me, it was yeah. an incredible act of desperation. Oh, yeah, right. so Republicans yeah. have the yeah. House now, so you're going to try to bring up climate change from a guy who's been debunked and and has been so wrong. I don't know any. I don't want to say this. Hmm. There may be somebody who has been more wrong than hmm. Paul Ehrlich. Hmm. I just don't know who it is. Right. But we'll get to more of it coming up. Nothing fights the winter blues like a delicious and satisfying meal. Luckily, Omaha Steaks makes it easy to start the year right and keep that warm and cozy feeling going all winter long. Ehrlich and also uh, Newsbusters did a the story on him. And this is where, this, this is Dr. Doom. This yeah. is Dr. Really, Dr. Climate Change Environmentalist Doom. Yeah. They came out with his book, Population Bomb, back in like 1970, saying the world's going to all be gone. And he was completely wrong. Mm-hmm. And you would think, now, first off, I was surprised he was still alive because right. yeah. he hasn't been in the news. Right, yeah. But 60 Minutes had a go- He hasn't been in the news. From what I know, right, I didn't see Paul Ehrlich in the news anywhere. No. And all of a sudden, I see him on 60 Minutes, and I'm thinking, is wait a minute, this is Scott Pelley, so this can't be, this can't be 50 years old. <laughs> so why are they bringing him on? Right. He was wrong on everything. And this is the guy who wrote the book, The Population Bomb, in case you're just tuning in right now. He said back uh, in his book that the Earth's carrying capacity was a mere 2 billion people. We have over 8 billion today. Mm-hmm. And by the way, the high, a higher standard of living than ever before. Yeah, and and right. more people being lifted out of poverty. And if they're not being lifted out of poverty, look at the look at the kind of government that they live under. Right. What, what rule do right. they live under? Yep. In 1969, he predicted uh, in the New York Times that all of us would disappear in a blue cloud of steam by 1989. Uh, He bet uh, economist Julian Simon in 1980 that five key metals would become more scarce by 1990. He had to pay off that bet. Uh, He uh, also said that between 1980 and 1989, four billion people would die including 65 million Americans in the great die-off. Of course, as we know, (laughs) that never happened. Uh, He said uh, the population between 1970 and 1980 will inevitably and completely outstrip whatever small increases in food supply we make. The death rate will increase until at least 100 to 200 million people will die per year will be starving to death over the next 10 years from 1970 to 1980. Hmm. Did that happen? I mean, I'm kind of hungry right now, but no. Uh, The blowback came from the left and the right. Nate Silver, uh, formerly the New York Times, founder of uh, ABC News' 538, marveled, predicting that civilization would end by 1985 counts as a pretty basic error, I think. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> and he's on the left yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> to the extent that he's on 60 Minutes and CBS News, uh, they should be embarrassed by their highlighting of the doom mongerer. Hmm. Uh, oh, that was actually said by Lauren Summers. Hmm. Okay. Lauren Summers said that. Again, another Democrat, former Treasury Secretary of President Clinton. Airlock is far from a reputable science, uh, uh, is, uh, is as far from reputable science predictions as climate change denial scientist. All right. <laughs> of course, Summers had to say that, didn't he? Yeah. Of Which, course. of course, we could tear that apart. Yeah. <laughs> Said Jordan Peterson, Paul Ehrlich has been famously wrong about everything he has predicted for six decades. National Review and Federalist editor David Harzeni said, your entire career <laughs> of scaremongering has been a great mistake. Journalist Jim Treacher joked, I'm not wrong because people always tell me how great I am. <laughs> 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 I love that. <laughs> Daily Caller managing editor, uh, editor uh, Mike uh, Bistash, I think it is, echoed uh, this joke, commenting that Airlock's self-praise for his scientific honors is going full Fauci on his critics. <laughs> <laughs> I am the science. <laughs> <laughs> Scott Pelley conceded that Airlock has gotten some things wrong. Yeah, like the world would end. <laughs> Some a few things wrong. I made it's like saying I made a few mistakes. <laughs> you failed drastically. Oh man, I'm telling you. <laughs> While he has gotten some things wrong but with all the stuff going on, this is what 60 minutes this is how they're looking for yeah. anything. They're for anything that fits there. Political activist narrative. I guess Greta's not available anymore. <laughs> you know, she's turned away from the liberals and liberal media saying, no, uh, you're you're not doing anything about it. Why would I, you know, entertain being a part of this? Well, that's because, you know, she, she's to the point of, you know, we need to if, if you actually want to do what you say you wish to do, mm -hmm. what the Democrats wish to do and the left wants to do, you need to shut down the economy. We need basically need to go back to caveman and cavewoman. Yeah, right. We need to get rid of, mm -hmm. you know, we need to get rid of 7 million people or 7 million, 7 billion people. Yeah, right. Remember the one economist that came out and said we need to get rid of all major cities. There cannot be a, a, a town or a city over 25,000. Right. No city should be over 25,000. Right, right. And everything else should be 7 billion people need to go. Mm -hmm. And we were like, how do you do that? How do you how do you suggest we do that? Yeah, that's not going to not going to happen. Not going to happen. Uh, and then Michael uh, Schellenberger, uh, we know him from the Twitter files, mm. but uh, he is somebody on the left mm -hmm. who like like uh, Bjorn Lomberg, mm -hmm. who believes that climate change is happening, but believes that everything, you know, most of what the left is doing, Bjorn Lomberg, everything they're doing is wrong. Right. Uh, but he uh, pointed out that Earlock's arguments have been repeatedly debunked in peer-reviewed scientific literature. Schellenberger uh, went after Erlock's five more Earths. He's saying for the population that we have now, we need five more Earths uh, argument. He noted that, that he, uh, with a group of other analysts and scientists, including the chief scientist for the Nature Cons uh, Conservancy, uh, uh, 
debunked that in a peer-reviewed scientific journal back 10 years ago. Smithsonian Magazine noted Earlark's Population Bomb book in 1969 gave a huge jolt to the environmental movement and fueled the anti-population growth crusade that led to human rights abuses around the world. Did CBS just pretend like this factoid didn't exist when they decided to elevate Earlock's nuttiness? JunkScience.com founder Steve Malloy told uh, MRC Business that Airlock's positions were so extreme that he suggested in his book that the government could add birth control to drinking water to reduce population, end of quote. Malloy said, despite being continually wrong, if not deranged, Airlock is a member of the elite National Academy of Sciences and was just featured on 60 Minutes. It's easy to slam Airlock, but the more perplexing issue is why he has been so honored and why anyone still pays attention to him. What's more ironic is that then CBS then undercut Airlock entirely by admitting that he was wrong in his initial predictions of an overpopulation will cause a global famine scenario outlined in his 1968 book. Which again begs the question, then why did you have him on 60 Minutes? Exactly. (laughs) Why would you, you just took away all his credibility. Why would you have him on? I was shaking my head, and I can't remember. I just, what was I doing? I think I was, I must have been on the phone. Maybe I was on the phone with Dad. That's what it was. Maybe I was mm-hmm. calling him late. Cause... Mm-hmm. Yeah, normally on a Sunday night, we're not paying attention, but we didn't work Sunday night. I still wasn't. And I, I probably would have thought, well, it's a holiday weekend. They're running an old 60 Minutes. <laughs> they repackaged it. It's being represented. Yeah, Why Dad, in the world? Dad, Dad had some. That's what it was. Dad had some minor health issues, and I was mm. on the phone. That's what mm. it was. Yeah. So it was on, and then I turned it down. And then by the time I paid it, but I went, "What was he on?" And all of a sudden, I saw it on when we came in. I went, mm. oh, mm-hmm. somebody, somebody saw it, and the things just kept building and building and building till yesterday. Everybody's on it, going, "What in the hell was he doing on sixty minutes?" Yeah. yeah, this guy predicted the world was going to end. He's completely wrong, and sixty minutes brings him on as an expert about what the future will bring here to the world. I, I would say that, based on the people I'm following, that was just as active yesterday as the whole thing with McCarthy. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was, <laughs> you know, yeah, it was. I mean, yep. on yep. on Twitter at least, and you know, it's but it's it's the insanity though. Why would you? Why would? Why would CBS? Why would 60 Minutes invest any time in that whatsoever? Especially in it, you undermine his credibility. You take all that away. So tell me the point of ha- having him on. And then Scott Be- Pelly, in his serious way, well, you know, you've been wrong. Instead of going, you're not credible. Right. You're an idiot. Right. You were wrong on everything. You've been wearing well, I, the same sandwich board for 60 years. I wasn't wrong on everything. Yeah. You ba- you said the world was going to be gone. That hundreds of millions of people would die out. If you were right in saying, if you believe you were right in saying, well, I was right in saying that the population will increase. No, 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 no. The ultimate prediction was that because the population is increasing, this is, again, what you're dealing with when you're dealing with liberals, again, as we talked about earlier, mm-hmm. uh, about, uh, you know, <laughs> that the the left has become uh, the, you know, um, um, oh, I can't think of his name again, uh, from, a, from a Saturday Night Live. When he was, he's, 
No, uh, when he when he Martin was Short. Martin Short. Mm-hmm. When Martin Short became the uh, the the he was the character of the cigarette company attorney, mm-hmm. and it was you know, well the border's secure. <laughs> yeah. No. What do you mean the border's secure? People are crossing like crazy. Well, yeah, and those people crossing are more secure than they've ever been before. Right. It's more secure to cross the border than it's ever been. No, we're talking about that the border isn't secure where people can cross. Well, yes, people can cross. That's why it's much more secure for them. They play these little stupid games. Right. Well, I was right on things. The population did grow. Well, everybody knew that. What you stated was the population was going to cause the world to end with hundreds, hundred to 200 million deaths a year. That the population was 2 billion. And you said those 2 billion would be gone in 10 years. Right. <laughs> And then they'd all be gone by 1989 in a puff of smoke. Yeah. That the world would be gone. Right. Those are the only predictions that matter. The little minutia in between d- doesn't matter. Right. You made these highly incorrect mm-hmm. predictions. Right. At a, at a fear-mongering mm-hmm. level. Oh, I mean, it's a fear-mongering like... And that was the whole idea, clearly. I don't think Al Gore has done this type of fear-mongering. No. Come close, but I don't think he's well, I mean, reached he, where he tried. Was. He kind of picked it up, really, if you think about it. He picked it up in 89. <laughs> he was ducking from the blue smoke that was about to happen, I guess. And then said, well, I guess that's not going to happen. I'll just uh, make up my own lies. And they carried that on as a as a political ploy. It's fear-mongering in order to drive, you know, that fear would drive, at some point, policy here in the U.S. But didn't they understand the mocking they were going to get even across the board? That somebody who has been, what you do is, you're better to bring on Greta. Which is my point, yeah. You're better to bring on Greta. She doesn't, you know, for, they, they put her on the pedestal. She doesn't have to get into the whole science or even prediction she just needs to cry, right? It was yeah, it was all right. emotional based, right? And so the children have no future. Right. Blah, 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 why blah, would you? Right. Why would you not go that direction? You're going to bring on a guy who's who's not only been debunked, but he's going to be hammered on social media all week long. I did not. Did you see on Twitter anybody supporting him? No, no, Neither I did. I I didn't see it. You know, there might have been in some of the comments. Aside from, I, yeah, I don't know how you support him though. Right? No, I, oh, except for sixty minutes. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. <laughs> My God. <laughs> well, and and look, if you're a liberal <laughs> activist in in the newsroom there at sixty minutes, you didn't do yourself any favors well, here. If you're Scott Pelley, yeah, guys, no, somebody else. <laughs> right. Get me a different guest. Anybody else? <laughs> Martin Short. Get to- <laughs> Harry, sure. Exactly. <laughs> Any of them. 866-90-RED-EYE. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio.
It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carlin. I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE. Coming up following the top of the hour, we will get to the latest on the Idaho murder suspect who was back in uh, in Idaho, and uh, it's supposed to be released today. I mean, yeah, the, uh, the, uh, the uh, probable cause right. affidavit, which is sealed, uh, that's part of Idaho law, um, but it will be released, and uh, his attorneys and I think uh, uh, most everybody then will have access to uh, what that probable cause affidavit shows, and we'll learn more about the investigation that led them to the suspect in those four murders there in Idaho. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. This is Red Eye Radio. All across the USA and around the planet, we're Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Hurley. I'm Gary McNamara. Download our app today, our Red Eye Radio app, and you can listen when and where you want if you can't listen live overnight to one of our great radio stations. Uh, All right. uh, In the news, uh, the uh, Idaho murder suspect, uh, Brian Koberger, uh, landed in Washington uh, 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 last night. Mm. Uh, to uh, to face he he, uh, he flew into uh, Pullman, Washington, by the way, right, uh, and then uh, apparently was taken to the uh, courthouse in uh, Moscow, Idaho, uh, by truck, hmm. and uh, we're going to find out today. We right. found out today what the probable cause is. Uh, you know what the what the evidence. The we're going to know not everything, but we're going to know a significant portion of what the prosecution what the evidence they have against him. Yeah, the probable cause affidavit has been sealed up and up until now and then I'm guessing his first appearance in Idaho is when it is unveiled um or will be unveiled uh to the public uh which should be sometime today. And so we'll learn more about what that probable cause affidavit says and the investigation uh, there were uh, stories yesterday about the traffic stops that were made yeah, and how that came to be. And according to uh, one source, it was the FBI that requested that authorities make those stops and trying to get pictures of his hands. So I don't know if the FBI believed whether well, there could be injuries uh, to his hands that could tell us something or, you know, more on the case. I don't know, but it will be interesting to, to, uh, to learn more about this. Um, and, and what led to the arrest, how that came to be. And, and this entire investigation, uh, that, that went on between the murders, the four murders and his arrest. It was what over seven weeks, I believe that, uh, that took place. And so, you know, what uh, set of events happened, how much was learned from from DNA 
and the process that they use these days with DNA. And we talked about this yesterday. And the public DNA files that are out there, thanks to websites and people putting them on there. And was it a relative's DNA? Um, did they find, were they able to get his DNA at some point? What evidence do they have uh, to bring him to justice, to first arrest him and then bring him, bring those charges? Of course, there's been criminologists you know, all over the place, you know, on, mm-hmm. on, on TV speculating mm-hmm. on it. But I think one of the interesting things is, is if, you know, he is a guy and the evidence shows today, all right, they've got him. They've got the, the, the DNA. Mm-hmm. He is the guy. The next question would be, is this his first crime? Because right. that's something that's been talked about mm. that, you know, do you, is this something, do you, it, it, the, the, the criminal mind or whatever the, the mindset of, you know, how, you know, he will be, how he will be judged, you know, as whether he's a serial killer or a psychopath, whatever. However, the mental judgment of his by the professionals, uh, you know, comes out, uh, is this the normal way that, you know, it's not the normal way. I guess there is no normal way if you're a mass murderer. Uh, but uh, is this unique to mass murderers that you start out this way or do you start out smaller? You know, we, we've always heard that one of the signs of somebody who is a serial killer is that they'll kill small animals. For example, they'll kill cats right. and torture cats, things like things like that. Mm-hmm. And that you work up, you know, you work up to it. So that's another question. Is this the only crime that he's ever committed? Right. Uh, if we see that the evidence is there, that's there's going to be more talk, you know, more talked about that. Uh, well, today. and you think about the, you know, the case that after the murders, the, the questions about uh, and the concerns about whether or not this might be a serial killer, somebody who mm-hmm. uh, has murdered before or or would go on to murder again. And so, you know, you apply that to the suspect here and do authorities believe that he may be responsible for anything else? Uh, or what do they believe uh, happened on that night or in the days or maybe even weeks leading up to the murders uh, that they believe he committed? And what do they believe uh, prompted him to do that? There's so much to be learned here. And, you know, this, um, you know, he was attending a campus that was just seven miles away. And, and, you know, it was the, the entire investigation. If you think about it, um, it, it really has so many fascinating elements, but they're fascinating because as a society, we hope to learn from this. You hope to learn more about, is there a tell? Is there something that you can detect and a person that might tell you that uh, that they're dangerous. And, you know, gosh, for those of us who are parents, it's just, you know, the the heartbreak, the loss of life. It really creates a, you know, this, this massive concern for those families who are still suffering these horrific losses. And that's why you hope to learn. And we'll start learning more today, I believe. Yeah, what a what a what a just a bizarre situation. I yeah, mean, just completely. Just think about it. You just it like is. you you sh- shake your head and and you know the uh, you know they're interviewing the parents and that has to be just heartbreaking. You know what do you 
what do you expect to get out of it? And you're just like, wow, I don't know if I could do that. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I would have to make a statement as a parent or as a relative. I'd have to make some kind of statement. Mm. You know, some of the questions I ask are like, you know, because if you say, well, what do you, now that he's arrested, you know, do you get a sense of relief? And I, I know how I would think my sense of relief would be because I'm a realist. There's nothing I could do to bring my child back. Right. But yeah. Uh, I believe, from what I know, from what they've told me, this is the person. That means nobody else has to go through what I have to go through. And that would be it, is that th- that if uh, this person is guilty of doing this, then they have been stopped from doing this anymore. And and that's that's what justice is about. But, you know, it had a lot of people just, I mean, really scratching their heads as to, you know, how this happens. You know, you think about Moscow, Idaho. You know, a small, t- small college town, yeah. town mm-hmm. you know, peaceful in the Northwest. I mean, it's, you know, uh, the uh, the the area seems to be a very pleasant area to live in, by all accounts. You know, and and a very, you know, again, for us parents or anybody that has relatives uh, that are in the college age and you send them off to you know to school they're living there uh, near the campus and the whole thing and you're always worried about their safety but they're kind of going through you know they're going through what many kids do at that age they're going through college years and in a very typical fashion and and something horrific like this happens <clears throat> and as a society we want answers. We want justice. You know, I was, I was uh, again, something was on YouTube yesterday about the, the top, and this this is about a year and a half ago, the top 10 cities where people are moving from. Mm. And every single one of those cities, one of the major things was the crime. Yeah. And they're right. talking about, well, you know, the, the crime in this city, you know, the I think it, I, I was like, I don't know what, I think the top city might have been, I forgot who the top city was, but I know the top city for crime at that point was St. Louis. Mm. And it was like, yeah, 400 and something percent above crime above the national average right you're like whoa yeah then they go to well in this city well their their crime rate isn't as bad in fact their crime rate's pretty good it's only 150 percent over the national average right and i started thinking to myself i said okay m- when you look at it the great concentration of crime as we know is in you know the the cities mm-hmm. and then probably where there's a population centers you know even suburbs then yeah. you know it would it would it would continue to it would continue to be at a higher rate but you go to rural areas and small towns and you yeah and i said there's got to be places in this country and it has to be the rural smaller communities where crime is almost non-existent right comparatively comparatively speaking you know, to what goes on in the big city. So there is a much more of a sense of security when you live in a smaller town or right, a sense right. of safety. Yeah. That right. we're just safer here. It's a rural. T- and mm-hmm. so something like this comes up and it's like, whoa. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And, and, you know, um, I, I think that also becomes the concern. Uh, local authorities uh, don't have the same budgets in terms of uh, doing the investigation. Uh, the FBI helped out a great deal here. Pennsylvania state authorities helped out. And so they had a a, a massive group effort. Um, but, yeah, you, you think about that. We had the murder here of a young girl in North Texas. Um, and, 
you know, it was heartbreaking. And the grandfather who killed his grandson and, saw yeah, that one, and that these, story. And, that just, and oh, you know, these, and, and with, the, with the case of the little girl who was, who was killed, it happened, again, out in a rural area mm-hmm. where things like that don't happen. Don't happen. By the numbers, it's extremely rare. And a an entire community stopped. I mean, you know, it was at first uh, an effort to find her, and then when she was found, you know, all at once, that case came together uh, in finding her, and 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 also getting to a point of justice in finding the man who confessed to killing her. And it's still, I mean, it, the heartbreak just, mm-hmm. yep, just stays with you. Yeah. And I can't imagine what the families go through. And then that story of the grandfather killing his mm-hmm. grandson, and you're just right. like, how? Yeah, I mean, it's just I don't. You, know, you I don't you get see it. those things, and it's just you know, it's it's uh, it's 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 pretty it's pretty upsetting. Yeah. So um, we'll be watching today, and probably you know, talking about it some tonight on uh, tomorrow night sh- or tomorrow morning show. Uh, but yeah, it's interesting because there's a lot of. You want to know. I remember last yeah. week when they said, well, well, you probably won't know anything till at least next Tuesday because or Wednesday. And I'm like, that's a long time. Yeah. I said, boy, right. here. And I, I thought to myself, here comes the speculation, mm-hmm. which, of mm-hmm. course, happened. And sure, every sure. probably every criminologist made some good money, <laughs> you know, yeah. doing interviews yeah. uh, over the last, uh, you know, co- the last week or so. But there's a great interest in it because it just was. Because so shocking, nation, very shocking. Because we value, as a society, we, of course, we yeah. value life, and when life is taken, and yeah, we, uh, it, we yeah. it we all stop, and there is a great uh, grieving process, and a a concern that leads to that pursuit of justice, and that's what this is, and uh, we should be learning more in the coming days about the murders in Idaho. Eight six six ninety red eye. Snow accumulations continue to build in the western mountain ranges. In fact, USDA meteorologist Brad Rippey says not one, but two major systems should arrive on the shores of the Pacific coast this weekend. By the time we get through these next two storms in California, we could add anywhere from 4 to 10 inches of additional water equivalency in that snowpack. That could get us well above 20 inches and get us well on our way to at least a normal snowpack, even if things shut off between now and April 1st. So a much more optimistic look for California. California and elsewhere in the western United States, with many areas of the West dealing with a three-year drought and a longer-term mega drought that dates back all the way to the early 21st century. Rippy does, however, caution about the fast clip of snow and rainfall with these two systems. For the foothill and valley and coastal locations, this heavy rainfall coming especially in burn-scarred areas are highly susceptible to flooding and debris flows. I'm Rod Bain reporting for the U.S. Department of Agriculture in Washington, D.C. The USDA report is brought to you by Cenex Roadmaster XL Premium Highway Diesel Fuel. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Hurley and I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE. Uh, this from CNBC from uh, yesterday. Federal uh, Reserve officials are 
committed to fighting inflation and expect higher interest rates to remain in place until more progress is made, according to minutes released yesterday from the central bank's December meeting at a meeting where policymakers raise their key, where, where they raised the key interest rate another half percentage point. They expressed the importance of keeping restrictive policy in place while inflation holds unacceptably high. And it is unacceptably high. Mm-hmm. Uh, in view of the persistent and unacceptable high level of inflation, several participants commented that historical experience cautioned against prematurely loosening monetary policy. The increase ended a streak of four consecutive three-quarter point uh, rate increases while taking the target range for the ben- benchmark fund, uh, Fed fund rates to its highest level in 15 years. Officials said that they would focus on data as they move forward. Uh, the need to retain flexibility and uh, regarding uh, policy. We always mm. hear that. But mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, they uh, Fed officials see the headline, Fed officials see higher rates for some time uh, ahead. Yeah. So, right. you know, and we've talked about this before, even as the inflation rate starts to come down, that's the that's the increase in the inflate. The percentage of the increase is going down, but prices on average are still going up right now. Yeah, they've been right. going up. Right. They're not going down. No, they are not. Nope. And, and and I think there's going to be more of a focus on inflation if gas prices are going up as high as they believe they will by April or May. Right. Because there's no doubt when the driving season comes back, there's going to be a higher demand uh, for gas, and that's going to drive prices up as right. as it gets warmer that's exactly what happens and when you start seeing that and and people aren't getting relief from the high prices at grocery stores and everything else then it is a real discussion because at some point there has to be the conversation all right what else are you going to do well if the fed is still going to you know keep inching up the interest rates but you're not going to get to the point of getting on top of inflation. Again, you're still you still have this, and this is where we get to stagflation, where you have essentially the high interest rates, high inflation at the same time, which is you know horrible news. More and more companies uh, this week announcing layoffs, including Amazon announcing more than expected layoffs. They think now in the area somewhere. Of 18,000. We talked about this last year about how what you want to what you start looking at is layoffs and companies slowing down and and what they're doing on the hiring process. You know, at one point there were people, you know, companies screaming, we can't get people to work. When it starts to be the opposite problem and you have people laid off and you have inflation. That is not that is going to be a, you know, again, a very tough, tough predicament economically. I don't know, again, what to expect. I really don't. And and the sensitivity to people on prices will be drastically – I mean, it's still there. Mm-hmm. But when gas prices start going up, that is seems to be the thing that that really drives people's opinions of, of prices. Right. And, you know, you look at it uh, – I've, just, I've talked to three or four people in the last couple of days, just on the phone, whatever, saying, man, I went to the grocery store today. Mm-hmm. I, I said the same thing, too, because I went to the grocery store, just bought a couple of things, and it's like right. 75 bucks. Yeah. Like, whoa. 
Yeah. What did I buy? And, and then you look in your bag. What did I buy? No, I mean, it was because, a few bags for me. Right. The other day, it was 83 bucks. Because for years, just never thought about it. I just right. went shopping. Whatever the yeah. price was, it was. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, every single time now, and I'm somebody, and, and I, the point I'm trying to make is, I'm somebody who can afford it. Whatever the price of food is, the price mm-hmm. of food is. Mm-hmm. And what I buy because of my, my type 2 you know, I view food as medicine, so whatever I get, I, I, I view it as no choice. But right. I can afford it. What about the people that can't afford it? What well, that are having to buy for a whole family? I'm for an entire. I can't imagine that right now. The IRS, the world's most aggressive collection agency. They can seize your property, bank account, and garnish your wages. They cause sleepless nights for millions of Americans. Don't be you is the biggest source of misinformation in America. And what happened was I saw the one headline that said Joy Behar rips heterosexual men for supporting tackle football. She quoted a survey and didn't source what the survey was that uh, more heterosexual men... uh, uh, you know, uh, support tackle football mm-hmm. and con- more conservative support youth tackle football. I'm just mm-hmm. saying, mm-hmm. and I just, it, and we know exactly where she was going because right. conservative heterosexual men are evil. This is all part of the continuation of the evil that they have in their hearts. Yes. Right, <laughs> because right. they support, because they support football. Right. And, and so, I mean, and, and it was funny because when I saw that, you know, when she ripped heterosexual men, I think about, Two of the most passionate people I ever met about football. Hmm. And this goes back about, oh, 20, 30 years ago. Hmm. It goes back almost uh, 30 years ago uh, when I was working in in, uh, in, in Illinois. And um, uh, a, a co-worker is gay. Mm-hmm. Uh, conservative gay mm-hmm. is what he called himself all the time. Every single weekend. Every single weekend at their house, they would hold a football party. That's the first thing I thought of. That's the problem when you get into trying to say, because, well, most heter, well, then you mean, number one, there are more heterosexual men than gay men. So, of course, there's going to be more heterosexual men that like football and like tackle football. Mm -hmm. As the conservative thing, well, conservatives, well, maybe conservatives believe in, you know, hey, it's their choice. My great nephew. Broke his leg very bad last year mm. in football. And uh, long recuperating period. He was there, i never forget, you know, that night talking to my nephew. His son, you know, is on the, the operating table. And basically telling him, you may never play a sport again. Mm-hmm. Well, he's recuperated. He's got some complications that may have to be taken care of that may, you know, continue it for a couple of years. So at a very young age, at 14, he knows. Mm-hmm. And he's playing basketball again. And I said, are you going to play football next year? And he said, yeah. I said, you know. And he goes, yeah, I know. But it's what I wish to do. And is it that 
uh, you know, and, and I just know where Joy Behar is going. They want to see people get hurt, right? Yeah, right. Whatever, which is right. because when you think about it, the majority of the NFL, the vast majority of the NFL in college football is black player. Major college football is black players. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, unless uh, there is this um, uh, uh, difference between black college football players and the general population, the majority of blacks in this country still today uh, consider themselves liberal Democrats. Mm. So if you want to sit there, you can play this stupid game that she's trying to play, but it's what it is. It's a stupid, it's a stupid game. Well, it's this very awkward and stupid road she has to travel down to get her political point across when it doesn't apply at all. Exactly. You make up your own right. skewed, right. bizarre logic. Well, parents go through it all the time. You sit there and say, well, look, this is something that, that, that you know, and I know this is for a lot of kids. I know for, I know for my, my great nephew, being able to play sports is a carrot that's held out. So he does good in school. Mm-hmm. That happens yeah. to a lot of young, ki- a lot of young kids, mm-hmm. and a lot of parents say, "What do I do?" Because I look as a man in his sixties now, uh, who wanted nothing but to play football when I was a kid and was just too dang small. Mm-hmm. I tried out, got cut, got cut, got cut. Could, you could not find anyone on the planet that is happier that I never got into any high level of contact sports than I am right now. Right. At your age. At my age. Knowing what you go through later on in life. Right. So at my age, I look at it and go, thank God I didn't do it. Mm-hmm. But then you look at it and you say, you know, a person has a choice to do different things in life. Yeah, right. Well, there are a number of activities uh, in terms of uh, children and their activities uh, that can lead to injury on and off of football field. I, I don't care if it's soccer, football, or just being on a playground. Well, riding a bike on the street. Yep. Let's look at the numbers of riding bikes on the street versus football overall. Mm-hmm. And and so you look and you say, okay. Uh, does a person get a choice to do what they wish to do in their life? I love the game of football. I love the strategy of football. I think it's, mm-hmm. I think it's, uh, I, I, I think it's, it's and wonderful. there's a great amount to be learned at that age about competitive sports. Yep. And which te- teamwork, and effort, effort, all respect those for the other right. team players. All of that comes along with it. That's what you're looking to do. And the overwhelming majority of these athletes that reach the status of being elite athletes at uh, uh, either in college ball or beyond in professional ball, you see their mindset and their, uh, you know, the overwhelming majority of them are respectful. They understand. They're very smart and talented. I had what they called a talent deficit <laughs> when it came to sports. He sucked. Yeah. And that was... Talent deficit. I'm sorry, talent deficit. Talent deficit. Eric had a talent deficit. Talent deficit. And, you know, and I knew that. Um, (laughs) In fact, I was probably the cause of that. Um, But (laughs) this idea, you know, the bizarre linking of, well, it's conservatives that caused this. If it weren't for this desire to see 
you know, a blood sport. That's basically what she's implying. The fact of the mm-hmm. matter is, is, is that the overwhelming amount of good that comes from that kind of activity for young people and then how young people often, not most often, but uh, either go on in their life uh, uh, and benefit from that in some way. I would say most often there is some benefit. Whether you go on to professional or not, whether you play in college or not, there is some benefit to that for the overwhelming majority mm-hmm. of people who go through that process. I did play competitive sports. It just wasn't football. I was good at basketball. I was good at baseball. Look, chess doesn't count. Oh, I thought you meant knocking your yeah. piece, the other piece. <laughs> no. That was your And, you know, my brother was a star pitcher and threw his arm out. <clears throat> I mean, this yeah. he could throw. And, you know, I mean, the thing is, is that, again, let's blame my political enemy. Yeah, I mean, and, and look, that is bizarre. And, and frankly, it's grotesque, but it's exactly what I expect from the view. And and so you can look at, you know, for example, the concussion uh, problems that they they have, especially mm-hmm. when you look at it in professional football and what they're and, and what they're doing now. But to take something that from what we know so far and again, we haven't heard from the doctors specifically, but nobody is denying it. It looks like this is one of the rarest of the rarest things that happens to somebody uh, you know, uh, in 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 athletics, and to take that and to try to make a political statement. But this New York Post article was talking about the fact that uh, it was talking about Barbara Walters and said, you know, that uh, uh, when Walt what Walters envisioned as the you know in the view when uh, she created in 1997 uh, as women of different generations, backgrounds, and views discussing the topics of the day, mixing humor with intelligent debate. It devolved after she departed as co-host in 2014 into a four-against-one daily catfight with few laughs and even fewer smarts. The New York Times calls it the most important political TV show in America. If so, America is in trouble because Abu is the biggest source of misinformation in the country. More than 2.4 million people watch The View every day and are less informed for it every day. The show's moderator is one of the worst offenders. Whoopi Goldberg made headlines last year by declaring the Holocaust isn't about race. Her co-host gave her little pushback. Sarah Haynes added a no in agreement while Joy Behar asked her what it was about. This is white people doing it to white people. So this is y'all go fight among amongst yourselves, Whoopi said. Uh, Sonny Huston remained silent and the show's producers recognizing a train wreck played exit music, and broke into a commercial. Uh, actually, um, the uh, they, they said uh, Newsbusters hmm. crunched the numbers and found that the show delivered 36 legal notes in 2022 alone. Wow. You know, as we said, this is a show <laughs> where there's so much misinformation. Now, Now, one of the things I've said, the worst thing about this show is it perpetuates the false stereotypes that women are basically emotional nightmares. Mm-hmm. Right. That their emotion, no critical thinking, no logic. They're just emotional. They rage. They get stuff wrong, but they're not critical thinkers. It gives that false impression. Make sure you understand what I'm saying here. Mm-hmm. The false impression that women are like this. 
the, not the women that I know. It is not an accurate portrayal. It is not an accurate portrayal of women. It does a disservice to women. Uh, but 36, and you and I, when we finally realized, my God, this show is so bad. That, and you and I have been doing this, and we do five hours every night. Mm-hmm. Not five hours a week. Yeah. Like five hours every night. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> this is my 33rd year <laughs> of doing it. You and I have been together. This is going on 18. This is my 33rd year in talk. Over uh, uh, Just past over 40 in radio alone. How many legal notes have you ever had to present to tell your audience that you made a mistake? None. That was so horrible that you couldn't correct. Oh, sorry, I misspoke here. Uh, no big deal. Here's what. But you had to actually get the lawyers involved. None. They had 36 in 2022 alone. They actually have to have the lawyers. These these uh, women are so horrible when it comes to disseminating facts or telling the truth they have to have the lawyers watch every single show to get ready for them to go to a break early because there's so much misinformation wow that's that's a whole new level i mean they the lawyers are on the set with them in a few cases, they had to come back from the break and correct break, themselves. Yep. yep. That's how bad it. That's how bad the view is. Yeah, I uh, and yet it's still on the air. I know. What? Oh, whoopee! Still there. Yep. Ah, more anti-Semitism. No problem. No problem. No problem. Go ahead. Racism. Anti-Semitism. Then again, it, we said, it's, "Look, it's no surprise." Well, how come it's not treated equally? If it was a conservative or a Republican, they'd lose their job, right? Because that's not acceptable for Republicans or conservatives, right? In the Democratic Party and in liberalism, identity politics has been institutionalized. They judge people by groups, not as individuals. So, of course, they're mm-hmm. not going to punish them. That's what they believe. Yep. Right. There's nothing wrong here. No. Everybody has a group of lawyers on the set correcting them. <laughs> My God. Could you imagine that? Sweating every word as a liability. Yeah. It's just normal. Wow. 36. Wow. 36 legal memos they had to put out. 36 times the lawyers had to get involved in 2022 alone on The View. That's three times a month. Eight six six ninety red eye. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Carlin. I'm Gary McNamara, 86690 uh, Red Eye. Will we get a speaker today? 
Well, <laughs> uh, at noon Eastern, they're going to start it all over again. Uh, I've been told that it looks like uh, they're on the floor in the House of Representatives. They are setting up for an old-fashioned cage match. <laughs> and that, uh, you know, the last uh, person standing is going to get to be the speaker. But I'm not sure if that's accurate information or not. Uh, it certainly would be <laughs> rewarding to watch. Yesterday, it just seemed like, you know, I just lost the expectation that it was going to happen. They went to the fourth vote, and then it was like, okay, we're going to do another one. And then they were trying to adjourn, and then they went to another vote. Uh, let's see if they got a deal done. But all of, all of it starts at noon Eastern today, all over again. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Every story eventually comes to an end. This June, hear the final episode of Season 2 of the hit podcast series In the Red Clay, Durham. In the Red Clay tells the unbelievable true story of Billy Sunday Burt, the most dangerous man in Georgia history. In the podcast that people are calling riveting, incredibly moving, captivating, and addicting. Binge seasons one and two of In the Red Clay now, wherever you listen. Hey guys, welcome to the Candy Valentino Show. I'm Candy Valentino. I was a founder before I could legally order a drink. And for more than two and a half decades, I've built, scaled, acquired, and exited multiple businesses in diverse industries. Now my goal is to help you by sharing the knowledge that I've learned, the mistakes that I've made, and the wisdom that I've developed over my journey. Bi-weekly episodes every Monday and Thursday. The Candy Valentino Show, wherever you listen. 